I like to think that I don't hold a grudge. Now, some of my colleagues and coworkers might disagree with that uh, statement, but um, often if I'm in a conflict, I just it just takes me time to process everything. And so what might seem like a grudge that, you know, takes weeks or even months, it's just me needing time to understand the interactions that have gone on and try to figure out what's the best road forward. Now, that might be a kind and generous way of putting that uh, I can be not nice to work with on occasion. Um, But generally speaking, if these sort of conflicts occur and, you know, in life, you're always going to have these sorts of conflicts. um, Once I've had time to process and if there's an opportunity to reconcile with the individual and find ways of moving forward, then I can accept whatever's happened as kind of in the past and moving forward into a future. And this has given me a lot of opportunities to work with some really amazing people who I may not have hit it off right away, but who after a little bit of time, I was able to kind of create really um, important and lasting relationships with. Generally speaking, I really enjoy the work that I get to do with someone who challenges me. Now, people who challenge me aren't always respectful. So sometimes I have to have a very thick skin to kind of get over that initial shock of why is this person seem like they're maybe attacking me or why is this person seem like they're being kind of negative and critical of uh, something that I've done or am doing. And I've grown to a point where I can kind of accept that that's going to be the case sometimes. I'm not for everyone. I'm kind of, you know, (laughs) you have to have a unique taste to kind of be able to work with me on a regular basis and to find a way of collaborating and cooperating in a constructive uh, manner. Now, I think that when I get a chance to work with someone who challenges me, it's important because these individuals give me a chance to learn, reflect, and improve on my abilities in one shape or another, in one way or another. And so I think it's really important for us to take that on and to try to find ways of making it work. Now, this comes with a huge caveat, huge grain of salt, that this should never be toxic. Uh, And that's where that borderline comes into play is when you have someone who might be challenging you, but the intent there is to be constructive, working with them to find ways of maybe realigning what they're trying to do with a a way of working that enables you to take action on whatever that feedback might be, whatever that input might be, whatever those, uh, those criticisms might be. And therein lies the, the, most difficult part of well, my work and a lot of the jobs that we do is when we're in conflict with someone trying to understand where the value kind of proposition lies and how we can take that value proposition and act on it in some way that creates some kind of constructive dialogue or move in a positive direction. Now, that doesn't go, it's not a one-way street in my working life. It's often that I challenge the people that I work with as much as they challenge me. And so I 
aim and intend to do that in a respectful way, in a way that's compassionate, in a way it's understanding that everybody has their limitations, and that quite often in high pressure environments, it can be really difficult for someone who may not have the tools and skills to be able to flourish. And so I look at it as my role, as kind of a mentor and often as a boss, to kind of support those individuals, find ways of accommodating them, find small tweaks that can enable them to realize their vision and their goals, while at the same time supporting my work and enabling me to kind of achieve the success that I've achieved. Now, this is sometimes really uh, effective in that people can grow and flourish and develop professionally. And sometimes it's been challenging because it it can lead someone to kind of a breaking point if there aren't kind of clear and open communication lines between me and that other other individual. And what I've found has happened in the past is that someone will be struggling who I'm working with, and I try to stay sensitive and, and connected to their needs, but sometimes I'll miss a cue, and they'll continue to struggle, 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 until they're at a breaking point, and maybe they're just completely burned out, and they can't move forward with me as a collaborator. And I never hold any sense of resentment or feelings of resentment towards these individuals because I see how much good they've done, how much they've progressed, and I am understanding and again compassionate that everyone has their limits and I expect a lot out of the people that I work with. Now, this is not to say that I've never fallen short of anyone else's expectations. I fall short of others and my own expectations on a regular basis. Um, I think it's healthy to kind of uh, rub up against those limits a little bit. Now, healthy in the sense that it can move you forward. It can help you develop professionally. It can help you kind of see where there are gaps in your skill sets and how to fill those gaps. It can help you uh, transfer your knowledge across different domains because you're always kind of pushing those boundaries. Now, as part of that, failure is imminent. Like failure is always gonna be a component of any individual's life who's pushing those boundaries because you can't push those boundaries without failing at some point and then you realize where that line is and you can kind of dial it back a little and say, okay, now I know what I'm capable of. I've come up against a barrier. I dialed it back a little bit. Now I know what I can do and what I can't do. And then you can kind of progress from there and find other areas of your life and your professional work that you can continue to kind of nudge and push the envelope little by little. Now, each time I have come up against those barriers, each time I've come up against a wall, so to speak, whether it's burnout, whether it's just not being able to figure out a solution to a really challenging problem, or whether I thought I had a solution to a problem and it turns out it did not work. Um, no matter those times, it's been important in my development to take a moment of reflection and try to see what is the lesson that's inherent, embedded in all of these experiences. So when I get into a conflict with someone, after I've had time to process and understand and try to work through some of those feelings, I always try to 
distill from that experience, what are some tools, what are some knowledge that I've gained that I can take into the next stage of my career, next stage of my life? And it may be that that experience gave me a chance to identify some characteristics of coworkers that just don't align with what I see as my future in my career. And that can be really, really valuable. Learning what to do is as important as as learning what not to do. And so often in these lessons is a, is a uh, opportunity for me to reflect on what do I, what should I steer clear of in the future? How can I avoid some of these trappings whenever I inevitably come up again? So I think all of this really has helped me progress in my career and has helped me take on board the lessons that come out of some of these challenging experiences. And then my expectation of the people that I work with is that they take that same approach. So when I work with someone as a mentor and I'm trying to guide them and steer them in different directions and help them learn from their experiences, the most critical factor for me to want to continue to mentor them, to want to continue to collaborate and work with them is that they are learning from what they're experiencing and not that they are just trying to do the same thing over and over and over and over and over again, running into those same walls over and over and over again. That as a mentor at least can be really discouraging because you kind of know or you kind of expect you have an understanding for what exactly is happening. And then when you see them kind of, uh, your mentees making that same mistake over and over again, it, it becomes a matter of, Either your communication isn't getting through or there's some disconnect between what you're trying to guide them to do and what they're uh, able or what they're doing uh, at that moment. And so I always like to uh, remind myself of this mantra I've had since I don't even know when and I don't even know where it came from, to be honest. But uh, there's this uh, saying, a lesson is repeated until learned. And I think that's a really, really valuable mantra. And it can be really upsetting and frustrating to imagine. But this is often the case you're going to repeat the same lessons over and over again until you figure out, okay, this is what I actually should be doing or need to be doing in these settings. This is a better way of handling these settings. And trust me, there's no one on the face of the earth that has made the same mistake over and over again as much as I have. I have brutally made the same mistake consistently over years and years and years until I finally kind of gone, ah, why am I continuing to do the same thing and expecting a different outcome? I need to adjust my thinking. I need to pivot a little bit, find a new, a new approach to doing this. So the takeaway is um, it's often easier to work with people who don't challenge you. It's really, really easy, especially if you're in a position of power, to get sucked into working with people who just support your vision unquestioningly. And that can be incredibly detrimental to your future as a leader, but it can also be detrimental to whatever work that you're doing, the impact of that work. Because when you're caught up in your own echo chamber and all you're hearing from the people around you is how good we are doing, then you lose sight of the gaps where there are things that could be improved upon. So when I'm constructing teams, I always try to make sure that on any given team, there's at least one 
strong opposition voice who feels confident and has that kind of uh, tenacity to speak against whatever it is the rest of the team thinks might be the greatest idea in the entire world. And that's not because I want them to contradict the entire operation of whatever we're trying to do. It's because I want them to find the holes. I want them to poke the holes so that we can help fill those holes. So as long as that individual is doing it constructively so that they're saying, hey, look, here's something we haven't thought about. We should probably consider it. It gives the rest of the team a chance to say, ah, yes, good call. We either haven't paid attention enough to this issue or we didn't even know that it was an issue at all and that we now need to attend to it. So I think this is really, really critical for me. It's been really, really critical for uh, a lot of the leaders that I've worked with. Uh, so surrounding yourself with people who just say, yay, what you're doing is amazing is just a pathway to kind of mediocre leadership because all you're going to get is kind of the nothing much impressive there. Um, if you are a leader and you're trying to work with someone who's challenging you, it's also critically important that you remain understanding and empathetic towards their perspective. The worst thing you can do as a leader, if you have someone on your team who's challenging you, is to shut them down. If you shut them down, that's it. They're never going to come back and say, hey, look, I saw this thing happen and I think we should maybe fix that. They're just going to completely disregard any future attempts that they might want to make to help improve the situation. Because it can be really discouraging to have your leader tell you that the very glaring, obvious problem with what that we're doing is irrelevant, immaterial, or is not worth paying attention to. As a leader, it's your job to acknowledge those deficiencies, to try to find ways of ameliorating those issues so that the whole team can move forward together. And valuing that contribution is absolutely critical. Being able to look that person in the face and say, I see what you're seeing. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. I can't believe we missed that. Your contribution is critically important. We're going to attend to it, and here's how we're going to take action on it. And at any point in time in the future, if you see any other issues like these, please come to me, either privately, personally, or come to bring it up in the team's uh, meetings, and we can have a discussion about that and find a constructive way of fixing whatever those issues are. So my call to action here to you, this episode is kind of the, a lot of issues all wrapped up into one, but um, my call to action is when you're working with someone and uh, they need a second chance, maybe they've made a mistake and they're not quite sure how to move on from that mistake, um, how do you go about giving them that second chance? What do you do to encourage them, give them that confidence to continue working and trying to fix whatever problem or issue has arisen? Uh, and what are your limits? At what point does someone's uh, uh, competence become a limitation towards your work and your goals and objectives? And how do you draw those lines? Where do you find ways of continuing to collaborate? What are your boundaries? 